You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Psalm number 46, and again, I know we're Baptists and we get in tradition, and right now there's some people internally really panicking because we're not taking an offering. So we can, we're just going to have to get, get over it, I think, right now. Psalm 46. We're going to read our text here, and then I'll have you seated, and then we'll, we'll hear a special, a wonderful special by the ladies this morning. Psalm 46. Uh, Psalms, the book of Psalms is in my heart, on my heart today. And um, last night I was uh, flying back. I, I did a choir clinic in, in Jerome, Idaho, on Friday and Saturday, and then flew back yesterday. And uh, I was sitting in the Boise airport, and I just wasn't comfortable with Genesis this morning. You know, Genesis is where, where we've been, and I just didn't feel like I, I could preach out of Genesis today. And I was really kind of hitting a, a brick wall. And Psalm 46, um, is the, this is the text that, um, that, was, that God used in my own heart about a year ago when we were making this transition uh, to come and become, uh, become the pastor here at Eastside Baptist Church. And uh, it's a special psalm to me, a helpful psalm to me. And sometimes you preach a message that, you know, okay, this is really organized and everything's right where it needs to be. And this isn't going to be one of those messages. Uh, this is one of those kind of late, late night kind of uh, movements of the Holy Spirit, I believe. And, uh, and I hope it comes across. I don't, know that, I don't know that I have to do anything besides read Psalm 46 and you'd probably be blessed. And so I'll just add some comments to it today and try to be an encouragement to you. Psalm 46 It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. Wow. And yet the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. <laughs> I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. See what I mean? You can just read a psalm like that, and it ministers to people. And I'm going to add a few comments, but really let the text do the talking today. There's a saying that goes something like this. You're, you're either in a trial, just coming through a trial, or you're about to go into a trial. And I just wanted to start with something encouraging this morning. So there you go. And I don't mean to discourage you right away, so I'll follow that up with this statement. When trouble does strike, God is enough to get you through it. 
See, there's no problem, physical, emotional, spiritual, that's too big for God. And there's nobody else like him. He is self-existent. No one created him. He answers to no one. He's the supreme authority in the universe. He's the great I am. He is all-powerful, meaning he has the ability to do as he pleases, when he pleases. Job said, I know thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee in Job 42. His power is like himself. It's infinite. It doesn't have an end. It's beyond our understanding. God is also self-sufficient in that he depends on no one and nothing else to continue to exist. Uh, He is self-existent. He doesn't need anybody else, although he wants to include everyone else in the life that he lives. He's holy. The angels in Isaiah 3, they cried and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is all-powerful and all-knowing and self-existent and holy and worthy of our praise. There's no one like him. And yet he offers eternal life to sinners because he's also all-loving. See, the most amazing thing about God is knowing all that he is, he still loves us. And he proved it on the cross. See, God's act of love on the cross, but not just on the cross, though he followed that up with resurrection from the dead on the third day from the grave. It was both effectual and symbolic. His death and his sacrifice was both effectual. In, it was effectual in that it accomplished something, but it was also symbolic in that it means other things. So it was effectual in that it gave us the opportunity to have a restored relationship with God. Uh, we can now, because of the cross and his rising from the dead, we can walk with God like they did in the garden. Uh, we, can, we can have a relationship with God. We can fulfill our, the purpose for which we were created and have a fellowship with God again. It gave us also the opportunity to have eternal life. So not just abundant life on earth, but eternal life forever in heaven. And it helped us to overcome the greatest enemy that mankind has ever known and, and right now, the great enemy that people are thinking about is the coronavirus. But I'm telling you, there's an enemy that's far worse than the coronavirus and far more lethal and far more deadly, and that is the enemy of sin. And yet God, through sending Christ to, to die on the cross and be buried and then rise again the third day, he overcame our greatest enemy, which was sin. That enemy that no one can defeat on their own, that if you try it on your own, you will not survive it, that enemy of sin. The cross was essential to our salvation. It was effectual. It accomplished something. But it was also in many ways symbolic. Because it proved that God makes himself and his resources available to his children. If you just think about the act of the cross. And you just think about Jesus Christ on the cross. And then his rising from the dead. That should let us know if he is willing to go to those lengths for us then there's nothing else that he'll withhold from us. If he will not withhold his son from dying on the cross for our sins, then it's not like he will then tomorrow say, well, no, you're not going to eat today. I'm not going to provide for you. If he would give his son, Jesus, to die on the cross and raise him from the dead, then it's not like he looks at our health problems and says, I'm not concerned about those. He has already proven that there is nothing, there are no lengths, and there is no distance that he's unwilling to go to take care of our needs. 
I mean, if an earthly father is willing to die for one of his children, he would certainly be willing to put food on the table and clothes on their backs and protect them from danger. And that's what we must understand this morning. God is beyond our comprehension in terms of power and knowledge and ability and love, and yet he makes all of that available to us. It's incredible. that's, That's something the writer of Psalm 46 understood. He knew that if God is everything and he makes it all available to his children, then we can face the most unimaginable circumstances with quiet confidence because God is with us and he is sufficient. We can have confidence that even if the worst trouble strikes, God is enough to get us through it. How reassuring that truth is. But don't lose sight of what it fully means. See, understand, that included in that statement is the fact that there's still trouble. Understand that? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. And then we say, amen, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. But we forget sometimes that they're still included in that in trouble. Meaning, God promises the resources to take us through the trouble but not avoid it altogether. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And I want to just dissect some of these words here. The word refuge, it means protection. It means shelter. It means a fortress or a retreat. It means a fort. And that should appeal to every man in this room. As a child, what did you go find yourself doing in the woods or in your own bedroom? You built what? You built forts. And you would take all your blankets and all of your pillows and anything else, your clean clothes off the hangers in the closet and tie them together, for which you would get in trouble, I'm sure. But you would tie them to the bed and you would tie it all around the room and then inevitably you needed one more point to to to, uh, attach something to so you would open the door and then slide the end of a sheet into the door and then close it and that's one point. And what you don't realize is that's just asking for trouble. Because if you ever built a fort and you have siblings, then you know that your sibling was always waiting just outside the door. And for you to put the finishing touches on your fort and put that, that one piece into the door and then say, stand back and look at your masterpiece. And then they would come right at that moment and open the door and the whole fort would come crashing down along with your dreams. So my sister did that to me countless times. I'm not bitter about that either, but just throwing it out there. She knew I was building a fort, and yet she would come in. You know, it's not really a fort if it comes down that easily. I mean, it's a fort in a child's mind, but that's not the idea of a fort. If you build a fort that comes down that quickly, that's not refuge. It's not protection. It's not shelter. It's not something that lasts. It's not something that protects you. Compare that to a storm shelter. You know, we don't have as many storm shelters up in this part of the country uh, I was, but I was thinking recently about tornadoes because of what happened in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. I mean, just a terrible night. At the beginning of this month, I believe, uh, tornadoes went through Nashville and killed almost 25, around 25 people. And the reason it was so bad was due to the fact that it came at night. People were asleep. They were unaware. And I think if they had been warned in time, there are plenty of storm shelters in Tennessee. It's something probably there are people that have storm shelters, but many of them could have been saved in a storm shelter if they had been aware of the storm coming. A storm shelter is not built to collapse. 
It's built to withstand the worst elements. It's a refuge. It's a fortress. It's protection. Well, the psalmist calls God our refuge. And, and to put it in terms we can understand, and I know it does not convey the whole idea, but God is he's our storm shelter. I mean, if he created the worlds, there are no circumstances that he can't withstand. We will be protected no matter the size of the storm if our refuge is God. It also calls him our strength. The psalmist had been through a situation in which he learned about the strength of his refuge. And I don't know what this situation was. was, It's obvious that it was real to him. Strength means that our refuge is strong enough to protect us against whatever storm beats upon us. And, And whether or not we like to admit it, you will face things in life from which you need a refuge. You will come up against something that you don't have the answer for. We're all going to deal with things that we don't know what to do with. It's beyond our wisdom. It's beyond our strength. It's beyond our resources. And right now, the first one that comes to everyone's mind is is this health scare with the coronavirus. It's on everyone's mind. It's unknown and, and it's dangerous. But there are people in this room who have weathered storms of bad health before and God has brought you through it. And many could tell you about how they found a refuge in God their Father while facing something far beyond their capacity. As a, and, and I haven't talked about this very much in, in here at Eastside, but when I was a 16-year-old uh, teenager, I had cancer myself. As a 16-year-old, um, I, didn't, I was about to begin my junior year of high school, and, and I didn't really, I wasn't thinking about cancer. That's not, that's not something that you think about as a teenager. And, and just through certain testing and things that were going on in my body, I, I went in, they found out that I had cancer. I had a, a minor surgery, then I had a major, major surgery, and I spent a, spent a whole semester out of school with tutors coming in and, and helping me through it. And, and you know, the whole time, what I'm, I still am amazed at when I look back at is that should be something that keeps you awake at night. That should be something that, that as a teenager, I, I probably didn't fully grasp everything going on, but that should be something that keeps you awake at night. And yet I don't remember uh, not having a peace through the whole process. I don't remember one moment where I was afraid because, I, because there were hundreds and maybe thousands of people that were praying for me all over the country. Friends of ours, people that I knew. And listen, I'm telling you today, that's a scary thing to have to go through. But, but I've been through it before. And as scary as what tomorrow may hold, uh, there are many others in this room that could tell you very similar testimonies. That God has brought us through things. He has proven himself. And no matter how scary it seems or how big it seems... God has brought us through those kinds of things before. And so why would we give up in despair right now? You've dealt with finances before. Most of us have, have dealt with storms of financial trouble. And maybe it's, maybe it's raining really hard right now at your house. It's a big storm. Money is already tight. And, and it's only when money is tight that something expensive breaks. That's the law of life. And you're thinking, where's the, where's the money going to come from? How are we going to pay for this? But if you've ever gone through a storm of finances and come out on the other side, which many in this room have before, then you've seen God prove himself to be a refuge, and he can handle money too. Maybe there's a relationship problem, and it seems so big, and it doesn't seem like there's any reconciliation on the horizon. How could it ever be fixed? And you can't fix it. You don't have the answers because you don't have access to hearts, but you do have a promised refuge, and he is most certainly capable of fixing that situation for you. 
Maybe you're dealing with fear or anxiety and with everything going on and it feels much too big to handle. God can be your fortress. Let him handle it. Spiritual attacks. Satan is powerful and he's so powerful that Michael the archangel didn't even dare to accuse him uh, on his own in the book of Jude. He said, the Lord rebuked thee. Satan is strong, but you have a refuge that's stronger. And it doesn't make you weak if you need a refuge. It makes you human. We are frail, we are weak, and we are limited. And I know that's not popular and there's not going to be any um, people praising me for helping your self-esteem this morning, but we need to be realists. We're limited. And that's precisely the reason we must have a place to go for shelter. We need protection. We need something stronger than us, and I'll even say it differently, not just stronger than us, we need something stronger than the storm. We need something stronger than those circumstances. And we have it in God. No place is as safe as the protection, the shelter that he offers his children. That much is clear, but let me ask you this question. Where's the first place you go for a refuge? See, we lived in Oklahoma for years, and and it's known for tornadoes. And when you live down south, Brother Bittner's here, Pastor Tyler Bittner, his wife Renee, thankful to have them here visiting the chambers. He'll be preaching this evening in the service. They live in Texas. There's lots of tornadoes down there. You have to have a plan because inevitably you're going to have to deal with one. And you call it down there, we call it, where's your safe place? Where do you go whenever you're in trouble? Where do you go when there's a storm? Friend, where's your safe place? Where's the first place you turn when the storm is bearing down? Where do you go for protection? When you're under attack and when you're feeling pressured and you've got a trial and you have a challenge and you've got circumstances that are bigger than you can control, where's your first place? Where's your first move? Where is your safe place? If your first move is to a friend or your first move is to a family member or your first move is to get on social media or your first move is to take a pill instead of God who is the ultimate refuge then you have a fort that will inevitably come down the first time someone opens the door. You must catch a glimpse of the kind of refuge that is available to you. The word strength means enduring power to fight. God is our refuge and strength. And there are times when it's more than just a place that you go to hunker down and hide. Some storms you have to face head on. So God doesn't just give us a place to run sometimes. He gives us resources to fight sometimes. And if you're a disciple, you're going to have to find yourself in a fight at times. And I don't mean petty ways. I don't mean over a parking spot at Walmart, although I've been tempted a few times. I don't mean you're going to fight somebody over the last roll of toilet paper in Sioux Falls. Although that's tempting too. You can start a support group for that. I mean spiritual warfare. We don't just have defensive weapons. You read Ephesians. We don't just have shields and helmets, although we do. We have swords, which means sometimes you have to stand up. Sometimes you're going to have to be on the offensive, and and you're not going to just have to hunker down. We will have to take a stand. Are you ready for it? And right now, I, I believe we are facing a trial. We're facing a struggle, and We're trying to figure out how to wade through it, and this is a first for everybody, but I believe it goes further than that. I do believe that right now is a revealer of the condition of American churches. I believe right now is a revealer of the average American Christian. 
You know, we've talked a lot in the past year about the difference between disciples and consumers. And I don't believe there's ever been, there's no time when the difference is more obvious between a disciple and a consumer than in times of trouble. When things get hard, that's when the separation starts to take place. And we will face greater crises than the coronavirus in the future. This isn't the climax of trouble for us. I mean, if trends continue, someday we, it may come in the form of another pandemic, sure, but it come, could come in the form of governmental control and them trying to tell us what we can teach or preach. It could come someday in that it might be illegal to follow Christ. It may be, be illegal to teach and to meet in church and to preach. So let me ask you this. What is your, cha- your response to this challenge reveal about the strength of your faith? Because we have a, got a good group here today, but I can't, I can't imagine that there are people that aren't here because of it. And I, I, that's fine. I mean, I do understand that. There are those that have to consider health. But if it's a struggle for you in this setting right here, in this situation right, right here, what does it say about your commitment when it gets really hard? What does your response right now reveal about your faith? Our commitment to Christ in a future moment is being revealed in this one. So God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. They talked about even in the song, I think they used the word distress. It's affliction, it's trouble, adversity, things that could injure us or discourage us or harm us or defeat us. Trouble, I don't have to explain trouble. But it says God is a very present help. See, in times of difficulty, God is present. He's very present. And that word present means found. In other words, when there's trouble, God is easily found. It makes himself available. Look at verses 7 and 11 of this chapter. It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He's a very present help. He is with us. He's easily found. I remember when our, when our children were small and they were just learning how to play hide and seek. And, you know, it was so, so funny how they would go hide behind the curtain, but their legs are showing, but they think they're hiding. So easily found. But you know, God, that's not the idea, but that God is that obvious, though. And that he says, I'm a very present help. In other words, when you have trouble, folks, you're not going to have to go look in the deepest, darkest places for me. You're not going to have to go to some quest or on some journey to find me. He says, I will make myself readily available. I will be easily found a very present help. That's an interesting point, though. See, this does not say when God is present, there won't be trouble. See, that's what we think it should say. We assume that the point being made is this. Well, if God is around, trouble won't be. But it doesn't say that. It actually says the opposite, that trouble will come to the godly. And the presence of God does not guarantee the absence of trouble. And and maybe you were hoping I would say the opposite, but it's not what it says, and that's not what you find in the Bible. We are not immune from troubles and problems. The Christian life is not, as much as I wish it was, the Christian life is not trouble-free. And there are many false teachers out there even today saying, if you live right, everything will be good. But that's not biblical. No one lived more right than Jesus Christ, and he was hung on a cross. No one lived, no human, full human, lived as well as the Apostle Paul did. Look where he ended up. 
You know, others will say maybe that Jesus, well, Jesus promised to answer all your prayers of faith and, and all that stands between you and, and if you want to be wealthy and if you want to be healthy, all your, you, if the only reason you don't have those things is because you lack faith. But the Bible does not teach that. It teaches us, though, that God is our help in trouble, not that he will exempt us from trouble. He is able to help us carry through the trouble, but he does not always make sure we avoid it. This psalm doesn't throw out the trouble. No, it says when trouble's present, God can be found. He's right there. The presence of God doesn't mean the absence of trouble. And and I see that happening with parents many times these days, that many parents, they take the approach that part of their job is to clear the path so their children have no difficulties. And, And I think the term is called lawnmower parents. And they go around with a lawnmower and they kind of knock everything down real low so there's a path so their kids don't face any trouble. But that's not the way that God operates, no. The way he that deals with us is he allows us to see and face the obstacle, realize that we're incapable of handling the challenge, then turn to him as the only resource capable of handling that problem. That's how he wants us to be. And that leads to the first big thought here that I want to leave you with, and that is number one, The presence of God doesn't guarantee the absence of trouble. The presence of trouble guarantees the presence of God. See, the presence of God doesn't guarantee the absence of trouble. I wish it did, but it doesn't. But the presence of trouble guarantees the presence of God. Now, that doesn't mean he's only present when we face trouble. Rather, it means that we're most aware of his presence when there's trouble. Because in those moments, that's when we're most aware of our needs. See, you're more likely to seek refuge during a storm. I don't know. I mean, I know as backwards as Oklahomans are, they don't normally just go hang out in the storm shelter in the afternoons. There needs to be a storm. That's when you seek help. And we have a promise of a refuge that can always be found. Look at these effects. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, Will not we fear? And then he lists these things. This is incredible. What's the psalmist saying I'm not afraid of? Well, he gives two illustrations. He talks about the raging nature. And then he talks about raging nations. Raging nature. Look, he says, he mentions catastrophic trouble. Look at these global changes in verse 2. Therefore, will not we fear though the earth be removed? Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? He talks about severe earthquakes and storms. Verse 3, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. He talks about wars down in verse 6. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. Verse 9, he maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. He's talking about wars. We could go to Hebrews 11, and and it talks about all sorts of terrible trials that faithful believers are going to have to face And that they're homeless and they're without clothing or they're without food and they're being mocked or they're being tortured. They're being beaten and they're being imprisoned. All these various forms of execution. God does not protect Christians from it all. I mean, when a plane goes down, he doesn't make sure there are no Christians on board. When a war breaks out in some country, he doesn't preserve the believers from all the effects. God doesn't just allow a major illness typically to strike only those who have sin in their lives. It rains on the just and the unjust. The question is, though, when trouble strikes, do you want to face it with God as your refuge and strength, or are you going to try it alone? 
That's the choice we have. But I want you to consider the effect when it's right. He says, therefore will not we fear. I mean, all of these terrible things, earthquakes and, and floods and the earth being moved and mountains going into the sea, and he says, yet I'm not afraid. How is that even possible? Well, the psalmist, he makes it clear that, that the worst calamities are subject to God. And because he had, he had the right view of God, the writer, he wasn't even afraid. And folks, we need to be people that do not live in fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear never comes from God. 1 John 4.18 says that perfect love casteth out fear. And if, listen, if you're afraid, it's not from God. And yet you look around and Christians are just as afraid as anyone else. But according to this psalm, if they had the right view of God, their refuge, uh, their, their refuge of help and strength, they wouldn't be afraid even in the worst situations. And that leads to the second big thought I want to leave you with today. Is that the best way to forget the size of your problems is to remember the strength of your refuge. The best way to forget the size of your problems is to remember the strength of your refuge. When you're in an impenetrable fortress, you don't focus on how strong the storm is. It doesn't even cross your mind. You're not afraid because whatever level of intensity is outside, the refuge is stronger. We all need a refuge. We need a strong refuge because as God's children, we're going to face trouble, but we don't have to do it with fear. When we have confidence in our refuge, it eliminates fear. I read a story years ago. There's a group of Christians with D.L. Moody, and they were on a ship, and a storm came through, and it rose, and it was frightening. And they asked D.L. Moody why he wasn't afraid, and he said, I was at the front of the ship, and I saw the captain's face, and he was smiling. Fear not. Now, so how do we ensure that we face our trials with a smile? Well, it's, I'm not saying you're happy about them. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that you're without fear. Well, you have to strengthen your faith in the refuge. The best way to forget the size of the problems is to focus on the strength of your refuge. How do you do that? Look down in verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. See, sometimes for us to be reminded of the strength of our refuge, we just have to stop and think about the greatness of our God. We just have to stop and think about how good he is to us. And it may be time for some of us to put the phone down and turn off the alerts and just open God's word and just sit and just read it and listen and learn about what he's capable of and recognize that all he is capable of is available to us. I mean, he's, if he would make his son available... If that, if that is the length that he will go of the resources he'll make possible for us, then we can read the whole Bible in anything that he was willing or able to do all through the Bible. That same power is available to us. He says, anything that I have, I will give to you. I'll make available to you. That's how strong the refuge is. But sometimes we're so crowded out. We, we, we're thinking about other things. We've got our phones open or we're looking at something and there's a screen here and a screen there. And it may be good to just turn everything off and open God's word and be still. Be still and know. His word helps us know him. 
And the more you know about God, the more confidence you'll have in him when you face trouble and you need a refuge. The reason I believe that many of God's people don't go to God as their refuge is because they don't know him like they should. They've received the benefits. They're on their way to heaven. Their soul is set. Everything's good. And yet the relationship has stopped there. So when trouble comes, no wonder we collapse. By the way, let me just say this this morning, that you have, your soul can have a refuge. And there may be somebody in this room today, and you've never received Christ as your Savior, and all that I'm talking about this morning applies to God's children, but you'll never have this refuge of strength available to you. You'll never be able to be still and know your God until you finally have a relationship with Him, which means that, number one, you have to admit that you're a sinner. Number two, you have to recognize that your sin has a consequence which is eternal separation from God. And number three, though, you have, to admit, you have to acknowledge that Christ died on the cross for your sins. And then four, you have to receive his payment. That's it. And if there's somebody in here today and you've never received Christ's payment on the cross for your sins, you will never have a refuge. But if today you will say, yes, I know I'm a sinner. Yes, I know that I deserve hell. I deserve separation from God. I also know that Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose the third day, and I receive his payment by faith, not by any works that I've done. I receive it today. Then you can walk out of here today with a strong refuge at your disposal for whatever problems and troubles you face too. It's available to you this morning. Let me encourage you to submit yourself to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, even right now on your heart. But sometimes you just have to be still and know. Stop reading the news. Stop giving yourself anxiety. I'm put the phone down and, and all the things that, that come through, all the alerts, and we don't even know if half of it's true. Whoever typed it has an opinion. And they're trying to give it, get an agenda across. But you know, put all of that down and open God's word, and you don't have to worry about fake news anymore. Your level of knowing God will directly translate into your confidence in him as your refuge and if you will not, if you do not know him as you should, you will not have confidence when that storm is beaten down on your life. I, I heard this story about an earthquake years ago. There's the, these inhabitants of a small village, and they were alarmed by the quake, and they were afraid, but they were also surprised because in that village was this elderly woman who they all knew, and she was calm, and she had great joy. And one of them asked her and said, aren't you afraid? And she said, no. Because I rejoice to know that I have a God who can shake the world. See, sometimes it's all about the perspective. The best way to forget the size of your problems is to remember the strength of your refuge. Whatever personal catastrophe you face, it could be coronavirus. Some major health problem, like many are dealing with in this room even right now. Maybe it's the death of a loved one, death itself. The loss of a job or some emotional issue, the stresses of life, whatever it is. Remember in all of this, the, these two simple things about your refuge. God's greater than your trouble. And he's present in your trouble. He's greater than your trouble and he's present in your trouble. But you have to avail yourself of his promises. How? Well, you have to know him. It starts at salvation, but Christian, how well have you been engaged in the process of knowing God. Maybe this has shaken you. Well, it probably comes down to the fact that you don't know him as well as you think you do. 
See, God, get to know God and who he is as revealed in his word. Trust springs out of knowledge. The more you know someone, the more you trust them. Part of this writer's confidence came by remembering his works and the things that he had done. The more you know God and become aware of his abilities, the stronger your faith will become. Your relationship with God is the foundation of your faith. It's not about what you do, it's about who you know. How do you avail yourself of these promises? Know him. Second, depend on him. Three times in the passage, he, God call, he calls God our refuge. The decision has to be made to make God the safe place. Make God your safe place. Make him the place, the first place that you turn when there's trouble. No other refuge can do what he can. If you turn to anything else, all you get is what that offers. But if you turn to God, you get all he has to offer, which is limitless. Third, don't forget this one. So know him, depend on him. Third in verse 10, praise him. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, you say, well, how does that help me trust or or have strength or confidence in my refuge? Well, praise properly aligns us. See, if I'm on my knees and I'm praising God, I'm not thinking about how big I am. I'm thinking about how small I am. Because in comparison to God, I'm nothing. If you want to be reminded of how strong your refuge is, some, just praise God. It might be time to open a hymnal and, and just read through these hymns of, of great doctrine and truth and just praise God. If you're, if, you're, if you're feeling like this is overwhelming and I'm not sure that God can handle this, first start in his word, but praise God. Sing songs to God. Be reminded of just how, how mighty and wonderful and high and holy and perfect and all-powerful he is, and you will suddenly start to see yourself small, and him as big. And it will help strengthen your faith in your refuge. Someday, the heathen will exalt. The whole earth will exalt. As God's people, let's not miss our chance to exalt him. Listen, if you live down south, and I don't mean South Dakota, I mean south, south. You're probably going to face a tornado at some point. It's inevitable. It comes with the territory. And that's not the choice you get to make. If you live there, you don't get to make the choice. The decision you have to make is whether or not you're prepared for it when it does come. So are you going to make a plan so you're not caught off guard? Are are you going to invest in a storm shelter? Are you going to make sure you have a warning system so you have time? Or or are you just going to play it by ear and see what happens? See, it's proven that your chances of survival are much higher when you have a safe place to go that can withstand a storm. And you may not think you need it, friend, but you need a refuge. You need a place because trouble is inevitable. That's not the choice we get to make. The choice we make is where we turn when it shows up. And if God is our refuge, the one we trust and depend on in trouble, then the result is we will not fear. But if we flee to any shelter besides God, you might as well count on a life of fear. Because there's no guarantee a poorly built shelter survives a storm. So stop taking a risk. Make God your refuge. 
Make him your safe place, your first stop when you're afraid and when you're overwhelmed and when the answers are hard to find and when you're anxious, when you're worked up and at the end of yourself. Go to the refuge that has never failed. When we focus on our circumstances, our response is fear. But when we focus on the person, our response is faith. And right now, you either have unfounded fear or unshakable faith. And it all depends on where you're focused, what you're looking at. So stop looking at the storm. Fix your eyes on the shelter. You can't change or stop the storm. But you can choose a quality, trustworthy, proven, safe place. Why would you run anywhere else? When you have a shelter that there's no storm has ever been able to knock down. That's what's available to you. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. This morning I'm going to do something a little bit different. You know, um, President Trump, he kind of declared this a, a day of prayer. and It's a day of prayer every Sunday. It's a day of prayer for us. But I think we, we would do well this morning to take some time to pray for the situation. But also pray that we would stop looking at the circumstance and fix our eyes on the shelter. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.